Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the government targeting a conversion of 50,000 hectares of agricultural land to organics each year for the next five years, organic specialist Joe Kelleher provides the pros and cons of organics for dairy farmers. We're starting from a very low point in organics in, in an Irish context. About 2% of our land area is currently under organics. This is in comparison to about 8% in Europe. And I suppose if you look at some of our European countries like Austria and Sweden and countries like that would be in the 20s. Um, so we've a long way to go to catch up to them. Uh, nationally, we've set a target of 7.5% by 2027. So that's going from currently about 87,000 hectares up to 350,000 hectares uh, over the next five to six years. Uh, so that involves really trying to convert about 50,000 hectares every year for the next six years to try to hit uh, our, our targets. With those additional farms that you're talking about and the, the 50,000 additional hectares per year, what do you see as the breakdown? What are the main enterprises that will account for that land? Well, at the moment, the majority of organic farmers are dry stock, uh, particularly in the beef sector. There's about 1,400 farmers. We have 2,100 farmers in organic at the moment. That's in between those that are fully organic and those that are in their conversion period. And of those, about 1,400 are beef farmers. Um, sheep would be following on close second. And then the smaller ones would be the horticulture, uh, the fruit, the dairy, the tillage would be relatively small. I suppose uh, the area I'm focused on a lot is the dairy and we have 66 organic dairy farmers in the country at the moment. So out of 17,500 total farmers, so it is uh, very small. Uh, so there's, there is huge uh, room for, for growth in the area. And looking then, Joe, to organic dairy, who is processing organic milk as it stands? And is there a demand, say, within Ireland and, and maybe European and, and worldwide for organic dairy products from Ireland? Yeah, there's five uh, processors that process organic milk in the country at the moment. So you have Arabon, Arivo, Glenisk, you have the Village Dairy in Carlo, and you have the Little Milk Company. The first four there that I listed are all supplying liquid milk to Irish shops. Uh, so they want milk on a 12-month uh, basis. Um, the fifth company is the Little Milk Company. They uh, process most of their milk into cheese. And because of that, they will they work on a seasonal basis. So they collect milk uh, from kind of February, March to the end of the year. So they'll uh, tolerate or accept the spring calving system. Glenisk also have a kind of a relatively new product, uh, a grass-fed yogurt. Uh, again, they will accept the seasonal calving um, system for that. The markets that are there, um, I suppose the markets really are similar to conventional in that it's, it's the milk that's being converted into the, the products as such that is where the market are. So it's the yogurts and the cheese in particular is where the two big growth areas are at the moment. So if you take uh, Glenisk have a grass-fed yogurt there at the moment, that seems to be doing very well, particularly in France. And the little milk company, their cheese uh, seems to be very strong demand in France, Germany and America. And they're, they're the big growth areas is, is, is where it's being converted into into the, the products such as the yogurts and the cheeses. Uh, the Irish organic market is worth about 190 million a year. Uh, that's for food and drink, organic food and drink. And a big portion of that would be the fruit and vegetables with dairy being up there in the top three as well. 
Um, and our fruit and vegetables, I suppose, unfortunately, a lot of that is actually 70% of that is imported. But if we look, go back to the dairy side of it, um, the French and German markets uh, combined are worth 23 billion. So if you compare that to the, the Irish market, they're more than 100 times greater than, than our market. Uh, and that's where really the, the demand is coming from, is, is, is those markets and that European market. So I think a lot of the, the processes are, are targeting those markets in particular um, with their products. And looking then to the typical organic dairy farm, you mentioned there are 66 of them in Ireland. What would they look like in terms of, you know, practical things we look at in terms of maybe cow numbers, stocking rate and system of production? Yeah, I suppose the, um, the first thing I would say, I don't know, is there any such thing as a typical organic farm? Because because you have a strong concentration of autumn calving herds because there's a strong demand for the liquid milk and has traditionally been uh, a large percentage of our organic herds would be autumn calving. Uh, and you contrast that then with some of our spring calving that are supplying the, the cheese markets or the grass-fed yogurt markets. Um, the, the autumn calving, can you can have high inputs feeding up on two to three tonne a meal. A lot of it might be homegrown and maybe getting north of 7,000 litres of cow versus some of the spring calving systems would be once a day with virtually no inputs in the grass in the grass fed yogurts. So there's zero inputs of meal uh, and they might be doing um, somewhere around three to three and a half thousand litres of cow. Uh, so you've two extremes. Um, but both can be quite profitable in their own way because um, if you take the lower input, while the, the outputs might be quite low, the costs are, are very, very small. You've no, no chemical uh, nitrogen bill and you have a zero meal bill in most cases, which are the two biggest costs in any conventional farm. So uh, when you take that into account, while output might be low, profit can be uh, quite high in those. Um, yeah, as, as regards the production per cows, I said it can vary anywhere in between them. The cow numbers, the, the average farm size in organics is about 38 uh, hectares. The average cow size is, or herd size is typical to conventional, it would be about the 80 to 90 cows. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much the profile of the organic farmers out there. And the stocking rate that an organic dairy farmer would set in Ireland, what would you see it at? Yeah, the stocking rate is, the average stocking rate of an organic farm at the moment is about one and a half livestock units per hectare. Again, there can be quite a bit of variability in that going from one up to two. Um, the two is probably on the milking block. There would be a few dairy farmers that would be stocked to two livestock units on the milking block, but they would be lower across the whole farm. The stocking rate is very much dictated by what is growing on your farm. So if you have just ryegrass swards or old permanent pasture with very little level, low levels of clover, you're somewhere between one and one and a half really stocking rate is where you could, you'd have to pitch it. But if you have decent levels of clover, 20 to 30 and even higher clover, or if you've the likes of multi-species swards grown, then you can push that to the one and a half to two uh, bracket. And also the likes of the red clover and the outside silage blocks is a huge help as well to, to get an extra bit of forage onto the farm. So it, it, it's what you grow is what dictates your stocking rate. And you mentioned, Joe, in some instance, depending on the system and, and type, um, you know, you could be feeding no concentrate up to two or three tonnes. But let's take a look at the financials. Um, you know, what are the details in terms of um, milk price? Um, how are costs different to a conventional system? And what kind of profit would you expect to see on an organic farm? Yeah, so for for anyone that is any conventional farmer out there that is contemplating converting to organics, there's probably three to four key areas you need to focus on. 
the first one obviously is is the milk price um so most of the the spring calving herds would be getting um somewhere in the mid 40s to uh, up to 50 cents the Glynis grass-fed product there they're offering 50 cents for that little milk company have set a price of next year for uh, 40 cents and the, the there's bonus for solids with them as well whereas the the ones that are involved in the liquid milk have pay a, pay a flat rate for their milk so for spring calving systems you you probably be pitching your price somewhere around the mid 40s uh if you're going into an autumn calving system the likes of Glenist have been in the late 30s for summer milk for the last number of years and 60 cents for winter milk. So that average is out close on 50 cents. Arabon, Revo and the village dairy would be similar as well. So for a, a winter milk system, you would be pitching your price probably around the, the 50 cents or maybe a cent to two shy of it. Um, so that's the first thing. So you may, you may have to cut back cow numbers. Um, and if you're cutting back your meal feeding levels, you might be cutting back your output per cow. But if you're getting four to five cents of a bonus at the moment is what it would be above conventional. You have to factor that in. But if you take milk price over the last five years, that that bonus is probably nearer to a, a seven or eight or maybe even nine cents of a, of a margin over conventional price. So that's the first thing that's going to impact on the, the profitability. The next uh, big item is the input costs. So fertilizer, obviously your, your chemical fertilizer, your chemical nitrogen bill is totally eliminated if it's not allowed. There are phosphorus and potash products that are allowed that, that can be got organically, such as ground rock phosphate. Um, I would encourage anyone maybe to probably buy a pallet of, of each in a year just to keep the, the, the index ones at bay and to, to try address them. So you mightn't eliminate your fertilizer bill completely, but you will drop it to three or four thousand in most cases. Uh, lime is, is obviously allowed in an organic situation as well, so we would be advising to keep spreading that. With regard to meal, um, meal organic meal is quite expensive it's pretty much double conventional so if you're paying 300 euros for a ton of conventional dairy ration you're going to be paying 600 euros or there thereabouts for um organic it's probably 550 to 600 at the moment so because of the cost of it you don't want to be feeding a massive amount of it so you really do have to try to reduce the uh, get your system to suit that you can reduce your meal levels to, to a modest level of meal all the other costs in aren't going to change an awful lot. They'll be similar. Your, your variable costs will go up and down with your number cow numbers and your fixed costs will probably remain fixed. And then I suppose the final thing that impacts on your uh, the profitability is the organic farming scheme payment. So under the last scheme that was, an, that was on there last April, that was 220 euros per hectare for, the, for 60 hectares. And that's paid for the first two years while you're in conversion. And then you get 170 euros per hectare after that up to max of 60 hectares. Um, we had a farm walk in Wexford last week and the minister and the Department of Ag officials at the day did announce that they're looking at reviewing those. So the, the new scheme is, Minister Pippa Hackett announced at that farm walk that the new scheme is due to open in January and they did announce that they're looking at increasing the payment rates for different sectors. So we're hoping that there will be a premium there for organic dairy farmers when that new scheme is announced. And to move on a step further, Joe, and, and look at that conversion process that you're talking about, you, you mentioned it's across two years. For a farmer today that's in conventional farming and is looking to go to organics, what are what's the first step? The first step for anyone, I think, is to talk to people. Uh, so either talk to 
the likes of ourselves in Chagas, Clare, your Chagas advisor, we've 15 contact advisors around the country that uh, are well capable of giving advice on organic farming and the changes. But equally, if you know any organic farmer in your area, they're, they're a very helpful bunch and they're always helpful to, to people that are thinking of getting into organic. So reach out to one of them and just uh, get their thoughts and opinions on what they, the process they found and what they think of it. Um, the next thing then is, is if you are, if you have yourself convinced that you, that organics is for you, uh, then you have to apply to one of the organic certification bodies to become certified. So in Ireland, there's two of them, you've the organic trust and you've the Irish organic association. So you just ring one of them and they will send you out a, a starter pack, uh, really, which involves a conversion plan and a health plan and application forms and so on. And you fill out that and you return that. And then the next step is to apply to the Department of Agriculture for the organic farming scheme, which, as I say, we're hoping will be uh, open to applications in the new year. Um, and then after that, it's 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 the way you go. Um, as one farmer put it to me only yesterday, I was talking to him. He said that when he joined and he only joined two years ago, he said that he said, I wasn't sure if it was for me, but he said, he said, you don't get paid till the end of the year. So he said, the way I looked at it was, he said, I had nothing to lose by sending in the application. If I felt it wasn't for me, I was able to withdraw with no cost to myself um, any time in that year. And that's what he did. And he hasn't looked back since. So it, it, it's, it's a good way of, of approaching us, I think. For conventional farmers, what do you see as the main barriers to engaging with organics, Joe? The, there's a couple of barriers. There's, I suppose... The mindset is the key thing when you're thinking of going organic. Um, so, uh, like, as I say, you can convert any farm in the country into organics, but maybe you can't convert every farmer in the country. Um, so if you're the farmer that looks out and you see a weed and you have to go for the knapsack straight away to spray that weed, well, then maybe organics might not be for you. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're the farmer that has been sowing a few acres of multi-species swords or trying a bit of red clover or planting trees in the corner of your fields, you're, uh, you're, you're demonstrating that you're kind of environmentally conscious and maybe organics would be a natural fit for, for you then. Um, so it's about, uh, do, can you buy into the concept of organics uh, and do you believe in, in, in the principles of it, I suppose? And that's the most important thing. Is, is, is that you have to be aligned with it. It's the profitability is, is, is probably a secondary issue, really. It, it's getting the mindset right is the most important thing. Um, yeah, so like it, 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 that, they're the, the criteria of farmer. I suppose just, just to follow on, maybe the, I often say there's a couple of farmers in the moment with all the changes that are going on that, that organic suits. And the first one is the farmer that's already lowly stocked um, they, you know, they may not have to change an awful lot when it comes to stock numbers, and it might be just a case of tweaking the system really for them to go into organics. The second category of farmer is the farmer that has expanded numbers over the last number of years since quotas went, but maybe facilities didn't keep up the pace, and now they're looking at a large bill to kind of get the yard sorted and that. So sometimes they are looking to come back to their original numbers and looking at organics, and in a lot of cases that makes sense. And the third category of farmer that um, I think it's going to make a lot of sense for is let's take the farmer who's 100 cows on 100 acres and the next thing, uh, 50 acres comes up to lease outside the hedgerow from them. Do they go to 150 cows on 150 acres and spend all the money with cubicles and slurry storage and parlours and things that go with it? Or do they stay at 100 cows and look at organics? And again, I think when you punch the, the figures in there that the staying at 100 cows and organics uh, is quite an attractive option. 
And for a farmer who's listening today, finds the conversation and, and the information you're giving us interesting, but doesn't necessarily want to make the jump, Joe. Like, can you give us maybe some of the key principles that organic farmers are employing, um, you know, given that they have, a, you know, I suppose, restrictions in terms of some of the inputs? What are the principles that they're employing that could be of huge benefit to conventional farmers? Well, I suppose the, the most topical one at the moment, when you consider the price of can and urea and what it's making at the moment, it's it's trying to grow grass uh, in the absence of chemical nitrogen. I think it's an area that's going to be uh, of a lot of interest to a lot of farmers in the next 12 months. Um, so, And the key to, to doing that is clover. Um, it, it's You ask any organic farmer what's, what's their number one tool that they have in the toolbox and they'll tell you it's clover, it's white clover on the milking block and it's red clover on the silage grounds. And they're able to grow, I, I know plenty of organic farmers that are going 10 to 12 ton um, easily on the, the milking block with the use of clover, whether it be in clover and ryegrass wards or whether it be in multi-species wards. And then you also have farmers that are growing 13 and 14 ton on outside blocks with red clover. Um, I suppose there's probably kind of a, I almost call it a myth out there that uh, farmers are, that it's perceived that organic farmers forget completely about soil fertility and run the place down, but that's not necessarily the case. There's still a range of options you can um, use to address soil fertility on an organic farm. So you can use the likes of dairy sludge. Um, certain co-ops are, have, are approved, their sludge is approved for use in organic farms. You can use cattle slurry from your neighbour, conventional neighbour. You can use farmer manure from your conventional neighbour. You can bring in slurries from intensive enterprise, so the likes of pig or intensive indoor poultry systems wouldn't be permitted. And then there's, there is also a range of bag fertiliser there that, um, as I say, the ground rock face and then there's products like um, sulphate of potash and things like that, 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 that can be used in organic situations. So it's, it's, it's the same as conventional, you're just looking at it from a different angle. So we still look at side fertility, we're still trying to maximise our output, um, but we're just coming at it from a, a more kind of environmentally friendly way of, of doing it. And we're kind of farming with nature probably, uh, we have to rely on nature to, to 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 do the work for us. And you take the likes of clover, that's what you're doing. You're leaving nature uh, generate that nitrogen for you rather than going down to the local co-op and buying it. And that's a big number you're talking about, Joe, you know, um, the organic farmers achieving that 20 to 30 percent clover content and, and growing 10 to 12 tons of grass on a milking platform in the absence of uh, bag nitrogen. And as you say, as uh, the costs are fairly eye watering at the moment, um, which, you know, not having that cost is, is a major saving to the system. I suppose finally, Joe, um, you know, in your new role, you're um, you're rolling out uh an organic dairy pilot program. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's involved with that? Yeah, basically, I'm just trying to bring a group of like-minded people together who are pretty much conventional farmers that are looking at could organic dairy be an option for them. And it's pretty straightforward. I'm going to bring them two online meetings. Um, the first one will be laying out just the, the basic principles of what's involved and what you can expect. The second meeting, we'll be hoping to get a few of the industry people in, a few of the processors and that in to speak and just kind of give people an idea where the market is at and where the market is going. And then we uh, across next year, we hope to do three to four farm visits, uh, take people to uh, 
organic farmers that are in operation at the moment. Uh, look at various systems that are in operation in organic farms. And pretty much put the facts on the table and it'll be up to everyone that participates in the course then to decide whether organics is for them or not. Um, I'm hoping to kick off the first meeting there in December. Um, so if anyone is interested, they can drop me an email to joe.kelleher at chagos.ie and that's K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R. Um, the other thing that might be of interest to people is we have a webinar coming up on the last Wednesday of this month at half seven in the evening. And it's the title of the webinar is, Is Organics an Option for Your Farm? Uh, we have two farm speakers in and myself and my colleague Elaine Levy will be talking as well. Just basically, what are the steps to conversion? What is the thought process when you're thinking of converting? And what changes will you have to make to your farm? So that that might be um, worth, uh, might be of interest to anyone as well that are thinking of going organic. It was great to get insight from you today, Joe, in terms of the type of farmer you see as a suitable um, for organics. And as you say, we will be moving to a stage where there's going to be more of the the, the farmland in Ireland in organics, not necessarily all dairy, but there, there may be scope for somebody who's listening in today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Emma Lewis. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Joe Kelleher for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.